Hi, this is Walfredo Reyes Jr., the drummer for the band Chicago, and looking so forward to chatting and rocking it out with Rick Flynn, the one and only. Tune in and let's have some fun. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome on in. What an exciting show today. Back for a very few fleeting moments from the worldwide tour with his classic rock band, Chicago. It is their drummer, their former percussionist, now their drummer, Walfredo Reyes Jr. Wally, it's been too long. Come on in. Say hello to the people, if you would, please. I'm so happy to be here in a snowy Cincinnati, well, you know, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. (laughs) I was out Uh, on that in my car yesterday evening briefly, and I did nothing but slide from side to side. Oh, my God. It was terrible. Uh, There were cars in ditches. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience. Right after this interview, I have to drive, and I don't have a lot of experience driving in the snow. As you know, I'm mostly from the West Coast, originally from the Caribbean. Last year, I had fun shoveling snow. It lasted only one day. On the second and third day, it turned into ice, and I went, okay, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, my. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's nobody, Wally, that is going to argue with you about the fact that Rick Flynn knows a whole lot of musicians having had the career that he's had. But I will honestly say this. I know of no musician, nobody that has more gigs booked during this pandemic than you do right now on this magnificent worldwide tour. In fact, I'm stunned at how you can make all these performances and and even get there and, and have a crowd when you get there. I mean, what has this pandemic done to you? Has it cut down the crowds? Are you only selling like a third of the house instead of the whole house? Or can you explain this to me? Has the pandemic affected the Chicago Worldwide Tour? Well, as you know, uh, we were in Las Vegas when the whole pandemic hit in March of 2020. And I was supposed to actually come here to Northern Kentucky, where, where I live in Newport, and get married. But it didn't really quite happen that way. We have to cancel because there was no gatherings. So we just basically just got married and went home to a lockdown. And then little by little, things started canceling. The Chicago tour that was supposed to be with Rick Springfield in the summer totally got canceled. And then the uh, spring got canceled. Summer got canceled. Then the fall got canceled and things didn't look good. So in that situation, immediately what I think the key for me and the key for many other people, you have to reinvent yourself. And so I took advantage and started my my studio, which I wasn't really a great techie. I didn't have a lot of knowledge on 
tech, you know, like software and all that. But I basically learn how to record my drums and my percussion from my third floor studio, my home recording studio, and really got good at it. Like I basically went to school online in the pandemic and talking to people, Zoom, etc. And I was able to learn how to record and give drum and percussion lessons from my home. So my wife and I, basically, she worked from home down there on the computer and I we had had coffee in the morning and I went to work on the third floor as we were locked down. Now, with that knowledge acquired, I now continue to do that. And what happened during the pandemic is uh, with Chicago is that since everybody was on lockdown and we're creative people, uh, Robert Lamb and Jimmy and some of uh, some of the, the the leaders of Chicago, you know, they started uh, taking out some of the songs that were unfinished. And Robert started writing, you know, from his place, not 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 going to studios, but everybody from their own home studio that we all started like writing and, and Robert started writing with other artists, friends of his, and an accumulation of songs happened that at the beginning of 2021, they decided let's put an album, which is going to come out like in the spring of this year. And it's a new Chicago album. I mean, you can call it a lot of old songs that were finished and a lot of new songs that happened during lockdown. Starting in 2021, we wanted to start touring, but it didn't happen until June of 2021 in Nebraska. It was our first concert. And from there on, we, we have been taking precautions, heavy precautions, as it goes up and down and the surges go up and down. So basically, we cut the meet and greet and the, the photos and all that. And we wear masks when we're not on stage. You know, backstage, there's a lot of workers and local workers that, that work on the venue. Everybody, according to Live Nations, you know, they have to wear a mask and everybody vaccinated if you want to go on tour. And if you don't want to be vaccinated, then you got to choose uh, to stay home or switch another career. But even then, we've had ups and downs. Some people get sick. You have to go into quarantine. We all have been taking a lot of precautions. We have the COVID test that we can carry that if I feel a little sick. Like recently, I, I, I was three days. I had something. And I... um. I tested and it was negative and then I went to the clinic and it was negative. So it was just like a, some kind of mellow flu. But if I would have had COVID, even if I wouldn't have been that sick, then I can't play with Chicago, you see. And so like, so that's why we have been taking a lot of precautions. It's not anymore about getting sick. It's about keeping everybody safe. And we have succeeded and we ended December 19. So the crowds were great. There were like a sold out crowds in many places. Hopefully this next year, 2022 we're starting in las vegas in february 16 of this year and it's already selling out you know some people wear masks in every state is different some people depending on what the, the cities and the states are doing take more precautions than other but everybody's hungry for music everybody's hungry i mean you know as much as you want i, I want to hug a lot more people <laughs> than what i can but you know we're still taking precautions but the music we're having a lot of precautions like in the dressing room sanitation cleanliness wipes everything because you know there's just more than covid going on you know there's like even if covid didn't exist and you get a flu in the middle of the tour then you can't play so we as a band and the crew which is like we're like about 25 people including 
band, we all have to be safe. We depend. It's a team. It's like a like a sports team. Uh, one one soldier down, and it affects all of us. So we are all taking precautions as best as we can, so we can give music to the people out there. And we're starting with a big bang and and a and a new album and. February 16 in Las Vegas. So you just recently closed out the Chicago World Tour. Today, this is the middle of January right now in which this show is recorded. Now, you're going to start a brand new tour next month in February now? Yeah, February 16. It starts in Las Vegas and then it goes all the way. And in the summer, we tour together with Brian Wilson and some of the uh, artists that have been in on the Beach Boys. Right. Uh, the but, legendary you know, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yes. And so it's not the Beach Boys in Chicago. It's Brian Wilson and Chicago. So Brian has the freedom to actually do not only Beach Boys songs, but some of the songs from his solo album. So, you know, Brian Wilson, I mean, I personally, from Pet Sounds, I mean, the guy is really a genius. And, and he's the one behind so many incredible harmonies that you heard growing up. So, you know, this is an opportunity. It's almost like a like an incredible tour. And I hope, we're hoping, uh, I can't, it's too soon to tell that m- hopefully maybe he will sit in with us and vice versa and we can make music together. So but, we're talking yeah. about the Brian Wilson solo band. Right. Okay. And so you know that, who Leon a, Russell is. Certainly oh, yeah. you do. You know the late Leon Russell. Absolutely. They ask. Oh, absolutely. I emceed him twice on the live stage, but I wanted to inquire with you whether or not you agree with Leon in the respect that a reporter once went to him and said, is it your opinion, Leon, that Brian Wilson was a genius? Leon said to the reporter, he said, Brian Wilson was as close to a genius as any musician I ever was near during my entire career. Well, I I have to agree with him. And sometimes of course, you know, a lot of people agree and disagree, but especially when I, every time I actually, for example, that's the same opinion as when I was on tour with Lindsey Buckingham, Lindsey pet sounds affected him and, and trigger his creative juices to compose. And so, uh, so pet sounds, it was an album that we heard on the, on, on tour. So he, he put it out there and, and there's many people that I work, like I was talking, well, not talking, but through, um, Instagram, Todd Suckerman, the drummer from Sticks, had an Sticks, anecdote. Yes, yes. Yeah, he he had an anecdote about working with Brian Wilson on a project, and Brian Wilson was telling him to do this and to do that, and 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 Todd was going, "Wow, that's weird. I would have never would have thought of doing that." But okay, so I'm gonna do it because that he's the boss. He did it, but then when the whole thing was finished, Todd went back and went. Oh my God. So now I get it because Brian has everything in his mind. So it's almost like, you know, starting like a dish in your kitchen and people are going, what the hell is he doing? (laughs) Yeah. But when the whole thing is finished and people are going, oh, geez, this is amazing. You know, so 
but but it's all in your mind so brian is that kind of guy so uh and and you know it, it, we're we're so excited to be working together on the tour so we'll be coming here uh cincinnati i believe in june or july you can go to chicagotheband.com slash tour and you can see all the dates there whether kentucky side or cincinnati ohio so it's like a old summer with brian wilson until i think august and then uh and then we go on our own so basically we have a very busy year and backtracking what what covid lockdown did for many people that you have to learn or do something different we all hate covid i mean i'm not a hater but i'm telling you like it's just like who's not who doesn't not gonna hate this a pandemic but the the thing is that it also brought blessings for example me and my wife were together for a year and a half i mean we actually honeymoon in our own house for a year and a half and so like uh so we had to find ways to create and not only income so you know i started basically uh i don't know if you know but i i i taught javier bardem uh conga lessons for the 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 new movie being the ricardos from here from my studio that i'm talking to you right now oh no i didn't know that i knew you were teaching but i thought you were teaching on the full drum kit yeah and percussion oh okay okay yeah any anything that is hand drums but you know like uh i had a call in december 2020 and a lady asked me if i give online lessons and i said yeah and then she asked me you know the price and this and how was how was it done and i told her so she said well i'll get back to you this is for an actor and i said sure i'll teach anybody you know and this person doesn't really know how to play so yeah i'll teach beginning i'll I'll get him going. And so uh, she said, okay, let me call you back. When she called me back, she says, there's a movie being made uh, about Lucy, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and Javier Bardem. And when he said, when she said that, I said, Javier Bardem is one of my favorite actors. You know, he, uh, uh, No Country for Old Man and uh, Time to Kill, uh, James Bond movie, he did the evil guy. And he does these incredible characters and he's a Spanish actor. And right now he's hot. I mean, he's doing so many movies that it's amazing. He's on Dune, uh, the movie Dune. He was on FaceTime, and he would FaceTime me like every week, and I I um, coached him, and then the movie was out. So you can go and see the movie, uh, Being the Ricardos, actually, is on prime time. Check it out. And the scene, the Babalu, I actually recorded from here, the percussion, and Javier did the scene on the on the old conga drum from the 1950s and 40s, the old uh, Babalu Desiarnes um, style. Uh, and we became friends because, you know, talking on the phone on FaceTime from Madrid to Kentucky. Now, Ricky Ricardo, a.k.a. Desi Arnaz Sr., he used to play that conga, the the kind that had a, a strap for his shoulder, and he would put it on his shoulder and walk around when he played. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, well, that's the way on the carnivals in Cuba, because uh, there was no logs invented then to tune. So that's what it, what we call a, a fire conga, because uh, the only way to tune these are is with a heat, with a lamp or with heat. So you put the, the, the conga drums or in a lamp or in a little fire around it and until it tunes up in pitch and then you play. So like uh, that's the one that Desi used to use. And in the in the forties, that's all there was. And and then the fifties, the same. And then the later on, the the 
the tuning uh, and and the plastic heads on the drums and inventions happen. But you know, so like Desi, you know, in my family were uh, knew Desi because uh, Desi asked my grandfather many times to be in his band playing trumpet. So you know, we we had a lot of anecdotes back and forth to uh, to talk about on uh, about the character of Desi. But Javier was so great. You know, he he not only practiced and and did everything he needed to do, but he got so into character that was amazing. So um, so I really enjoyed that. So that was one of the things that. I did online, just like I taught many people online. And then people would send me tracks on a file. He goes, can you put drum set on this? Or And that's the way basically I cut the tracks that I'm playing with Chicago. You know, the guys would send me a file. He goes, Wally, can you put drum set on this? And I put drum set right here in my place in Newport, Kentucky, and then send it back to them. So it goes, it, it one thing that it taught us is that right now it opened up possibilities that you can work from anywhere with all the technology that exists. My wife, by the way, I, I wanted to tell you since you're a Cincinnati staple, you know, uh, personality. My wife just started a new job, which is working for Cincinnati Magazine. And I read Cincinnati Magazine. I have for well, years. She, yeah, so like she started a new position. She's gonna be working with Cecilia and Ivy, the editor uh, on. E events there they have a lot of events this next year absolutely well, this year. and uh my wife is uh uh helping coordinate you know events and sponsors and all that so you know she uh a lot of the times you know she works here from home successfully on zoom and 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 basically everybody's like one-on-one -on -one and and working so there's no excuse uh that has changed a lot of things and and music uh, you have a lot of things now, not only live, if you uh, you have choices now, you can actually, there's nothing like live, I got to say. True. That, that's, that's one thing I learned in the pandemic. Oh my God, one time I actually was uh, recording one of the songs of Chicago and I played it and I filmed it and I realized what what's happening. I really didn't like it because it doesn't feel the same as that crowd you know sharing and the energy you feel the electricity so when i play the same song right here in my studio i was just looking at the ceiling and my ceiling fan and the wall and the door and i was going this is boring <laughs> <laughs> well you know what you're gonna have to edit some of that crowd footage in there <laughs> well i'll tell you and a lot of people do as you know but man there's nothing like a live audience it's just and, and a live audience meaning musicians around you action reaction is like conversation we do the best we can and and i really pray and hope that this year opens up more and you know we're probably going to see many of these things uh variations and spikes and then if it's not covid is this i mean you know it's like the times we're living we're we're like the, the climate and the population and different places are different than others. You know, I've been around parts of the country where there's like, you know, 300 people in the town and they have a different situation that if you were in, in the epicenter of Times Square, obviously. So, you know, there's different areas and everybody has a different situation. But music and creativity, I think, is a must in this times that a lot of people have a, you know, there's a, not only with older folks, but with younger folks, there's a lot of uh, mental health 
situations and uh and we can music is a healer it really is a healer tell me about your beautiful wife who you married and that is actually what brought you to greater cincinnati because prior to meeting and marrying your wife and i've seen i've never seen her live i've seen her in photos very attractive woman by the way walfredo thank you oh absolutely you. and now she's with cincinnati magazine you're happily married and didn't i hear that you had actually taken your wife with you on part of the chicago tour is that right yes well you know to survive you know chicago is a band that that works a lot so uh only in the united states we actually do eight months out of the year on and off so we don't do like two months in a row you know when that without seeing the family so these guys are very smart they have made like many other bands in the business they have made mistakes and they've learned from the mistakes and then all of a sudden they realize man we're gonna work a lot but every three weeks or four weeks we come home and with that being said my wife and i um made a uh, an agreement that like every 10 days doesn't matter if i'm on tour like in the summer maybe for a, a month she'll meet me somewhere wherever i am this allows her to do her thing and then like in a week or two uh, she flies to wherever I am. And it's not about the place where I am. It's about being together for a few days and connecting and, and um, having some fun. And sometimes she comes when I have a day off on the road and she stays for a concert and then she flies back home and then I come home. So that way it's not like, wow, we're working eight months out of the year. But you imagine if you tell anybody, hey, you're not going to be able to see your your wife, your kids, your dog, your cat in eight months, that 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 would be destructive. So like uh, what we do, uh, we have to think of, you know, it's, it's, it's an expense, but it's an investment. So you cannot just say, okay, I'm going to go out on the road and for eight months, just work, work, work. It, it, you'll come back to a destruction site. You'll need a divorce lawyer and a marriage and a yeah. child therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Wrap them all into one there. Yeah, exactly. So oh. that, that's what happened in the past, you know, and believe me, I'm the first one that can tell you that I've been through that. And so many friends of mine, some that a lot of you know, are famous musicians out there, we've all been through it. You know, in the days, imagine the days that I was on the road, there was no uh, FaceTime or Zoom or laptop that when you left for a month, you didn't see your kid's face. And, and only if somebody sent me a photo by mail, that's the only time. Now you can actually, you can be in London or in, in somewhere in the world and basically have a one hour conversation with your family. On and the phone see them about. with your eyes. Yeah. And, and, and at times, you know, uh, I remember showing, you know, my family, hey, here it is, it's snowing, and I'm in Kiev, Ukraine, check this out, you know, the cathedral, I mean, I'm showing them, and I'm, they're going, whoa, that's really cool, yeah, I mean, th those are the beautiful times that we're living in, with technology that can make it a little less painful to be a road musician. And so every night, you know, I can FaceTime now and and keep up more. And so uh, so with that being said, 
that's uh, that's the how we do it. And um, now we're we're enjoying the the month of January here. You know, working on the house. You know, like this house is in the Newport Historic District. They they need a lot of hugs, and there's always a project that we have to do. And this is the time to do it. Not necessarily today. <laughs> it's snowing, but but it's just great. I was out there in the snow, by the way. And um, th- this just this teenager came by and says, "Hi, Mister. Can I shovel the sidewalk?" and your path and i said you know what that's really great i mean just the fact that you're a teenager out there working trying to earn a buck you got it you're hired and you know i gave him the money and he was so happy and you know and so like uh it's just great i mean it's a great feeling you know i'm working in the house i'm working today right after i finish this conversation i'm going to meet some local cincinnati musicians that are killer musicians and i'm going to take uh more lessons on logic uh which is a software music software because i'll tell you the the guys the young people <laughs> ruling technology i mean right, you know right. they I'm know thinking, what time it is on that technology oh my, i'm telling you rick you know like they you want to ask a young person for for how to do this or how to do that so i decided to call this great young bass player um and uh he said i'll help you and so i'm meeting him for a, a lesson and so that's the thing you know uh, you can never rest on your laurels. I mean, the the fact that, you know, a lot of people see, like, they think that, you know, oh, my God, I've had a, a career with all these people. I, I, I'm a, I am a student. I classify myself as a student, and I'm exciting, excited to uh, be living in this exciting times that there's so much more to learn and to add to your life, whether it's personal or musical or, you know, how to do things in, in software and all that. Because if not, you're going to have to pay for every little thing. Oh, I need to do this. I got to find somebody to do it. Oh, I need to do this. And COVID taught us that you cannot get people and come into the house. So I needed to learn it by myself. I needed to learn how to do this myself, not wait to, till I pay somebody to come in and, and do this on my laptop or create this for me. You know, it's like, okay, I got to get up, drink some coffee, get to my room and just study, work and practice and and just be better than you were yesterday. I'm not in competition with any other person. Like, I mean, I don't want to like be like, I cannot, you know, if I'm, oh, I want to be like Buddy Rich. Oh, I want to be like Louis Belson. Oh, I want to be like Neil Peart. Well, no, I mean, they were who they were, but you just got to be better than you were yesterday. So today you're in a new place and that's, that's how you, that's how I keep up. You know, I just cannot rest on my laurels. Otherwise I'm dead. Well, you stated that the band Chicago, Robert Lamb and everybody, they've been out there doing this so many long years that one of the lessons they learned is you don't stay away from your family and your home in indefinitely or we're going to wind up in that situation you and I just talked about a moment or two ago. So you're saying one of the joys about being with the classic rock band Chicago and being on the road with them is that no matter what's going on or where you are, every how many weeks is it you're going to come home once a month or what is it again? Oh yeah, the 4 weeks is maximum. It's, we we booked like three weeks and it's back home. 
and no does more than that, three weeks. Does that weeks. include when you're away from the United States? Yes. So whether you're yes. abroad or whether you're local means nothing. You're still going to come home at least once a month to be with your family and have some semblance of what we call normalcy. Exactly. So when we go to like last time we were in Mexico, we could have cleaned out financially. I mean, if we would have stayed out there for two months in a row, we would have gone through all of Mexico and then Central America. And I mean, we would have just continued. These guys would have made a bundle of money. Yes. We would have continued to South America and filled up stadiums and all that. But no, I mean, what, what uh, you, that, that's like, you know, on the other side, it, we have seen what music can do. I mean, you know, this is my third marriage. My kids are all grown and my daughter is on the road. It's going to be on the road with George Benson this year. She didn't uh, George Benson didn't go out at all this year, but you know she's gonna do start doing shows with George Benson, and he works a lot in Europe. And then she's starting to actually realize, like, man, the road is not you know it's glamorous and but at the end of the day you go to a hotel room by yourself and lock the door and there's silence there and so like you got to make it the best creatively for you you know when i go on the road with chicago and i'm by myself that this is the time to learn and to do it's not from the sound check to the show to the tour bus that's what that's the time we spend together performing with chicago for me is what am i gonna do the minute i finish that night with chicago till the next day where I have to go to the venue. What am I going to do with my time? And this is the time to read, to learn, to, to create something. So I feel really good when I come back from the road and I've done my job working on tour with Chicago, uh, making a living. But now I, 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 I have learned or composed or created something uh, on my time on the road. And, you know, a long time ago, it's really easy to go, oh, my God, I'm traveling and I'm 20 something and there's the girls and where's the disco? Or where's the party? Or, uh, you know, you finish the show and it's like, where's where's the uh, where, where, is there an Irish pub around here? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so basically you fall into that party mode and. And eventually it just, it's not a really healthy thing. You know, of course I'm, I'm saying, enjoy yourself. You see the world, you go to the restaurants, absorb the local culture and you learn while you're traveling, but it's not just like, you know, the, the time that you have, like do something with your time. So when I come home, I don't have to do that as much because now I'm with my wife or, you know, you're with your family, your, your friends, you have to spend time doing other things. Now, with that being said, you know, a musician, we were just talking about this the other day with somebody because a therapist told me one time I had a little bit of like a, like what, what I feel like it was a tennis elbow and that, that can happen. Uh, injuries can happen to a musician when you actually go on the road and you're at like sports people, you're at a high level of performance and then you come home and you're off and you have two weeks off and you go on a vacation and you don't touch your instrument and then you come back and you play. That's when injuries happen. So we're almost kind of like locked to our instrument where this therapist uh, that cured me of this tennis elbow told me, you can't do that. You are enslaved to your muscle memory and your instrument. So you, if you're home or you're in a hotel somewhere in the Caribbean or wherever you are in Hawaii taking a vacation, you got to bring your practice pad and you got to go for it an hour a day. Whether you're a violinist or a guitar player or a pianist, you got to continue that muscle memory. So when you go back to your instrument and on tour and 
performance level, you don't get injured because that's when injury happens. So every day I come here and I practice my practice pad and I go to the computer and I do what I have to do musically. But that that situation of my wife meeting me uh, every so often on the road, it's really healthy for our relationship. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's almost like it's a little bit of you live that romanticism when you actually are a little bit away from each other and then like it's almost like the first date again <laughs> right you're dating again yes very yes. very good very very well let me tell you buddy rich used to say he had a practice pad at home and he has the sticks at home, obviously. He said, there ain't no drums set up at his home, and there never has been. Now, he says it's the pad and the sticks when I'm at home because he said nine out of the 12 months of the year, I'm on tour, and that is all I need to play my drums. Now, how can he go and not get the tennis elbow or whatever it's called just like you had? Or do you think that's another freak thing about him? He was just good, even though he didn't really rehearse on the kit. Well, there you go. He's actually confessing right there that he did practice because you gotta, uh, you know, and every everything that we do that we do well, like say, like, uh, you know, whether it's a. Uh, even at your studio right now, you press this button and, you know, mic and this and that. I mean, there's a muscle memory. Like when we were little, we started walking and learning how to talk. And music is a language. So you got to keep up. If you don't speak, you lose it. You know, like what was the, the word? If you don't use it, you lose it. Well, you yes. know, if you're uh, that's what Kobe Bryant used to uh, say that he used to have the basketball in his house. They go, so, so you're not in the season right now. The Lakers are not playing. So what do you do? Are you on vacation? They go, are you kidding me? I'm practicing, you know, he has to play basketball. I mean, and then you go out and you have fun, but you know, you need to keep up that muscle memory because, um, it just, you know, I, I actually look at my, uh, my drum set and my percussion here in my house. And when I come in, I've been on tour with one drum set with Chicago. And when, as soon as I come in to my studio, I hear voices. My drums is going, you haven't touched me for a long time. <laughs> and then my congas and bongos and all that. Guy, Wait till you start playing me. You, you think you want to get a great sound out of me? <laughs> you haven't paid attention to me and what is it that you want? Um, no, I'm not going to give it to you. So you got to work at it. You got to like really spend time with your instrument because to become one within you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, a language. And so that that is true with every job that there is. I mean, wh whether you're a doctor or you, whether you're like a surgeon, I mean, you take a vacation for three weeks and you come back. I mean, your muscle is like, oh my God, I'm a little rusty. Well, you don't want a rusty doctor on the operation table no you know, so like a, no no so, no so you know it's um it's a really interesting um uh subject you know that i really learn from my own experience the muscle memory and that's what i teach my student you know repetition you practice what is that repetition until it becomes 
part of you where you, you know, brushing your teeth when we were starting, of course, you know, they were teaching you and you were like, you know, you were learning now, you know, brushing your teeth. You don't think what you're doing. You just brush your teeth. You put it on automatic and you're just there brushing while you're thinking of other things. So basically you've done it 10,000 times. So like, uh, so that's the same thing with the instrument. John Coltrane said, you know, mastery, which he said that he was not a master. But when they, somebody told him, man, you're you're a master. He goes, no, a master is when you think of something and automatically it comes out of your mouth and hands automatically without even thinking about it. Anything you want to play or you think about comes out. And to be able to do that, that's that's why we that's why we study for a whole lifetime. It, I cannot do that yet. I mean, anything I think comes out effortless, effortlessly. It's like, whoa, that's mastery. And so, uh, you know, that's what you go for. You know, I know that we were not, we will not be perfect. Nobody's perfect. No human being is perfect. But what was it? Uh, Lombardi from the Green Bay Packers said, you know, you go for perfection and, and then you achieve uh, a certain amount of high quality as you're trying to go for perfection, knowing very well that you'll no human being is going to be perfect. We all have, you know, like we all get sick and some days are better than others. And so that's why you with Chicago, that's what I, uh, I go for when I'm on tour. My dad, of course, was a great musician and, uh, he implanted a very high work ethic. And he told me, you know, at your very worst, it should be good. So if you suck one night, it should be good. So that's, that's your worst, right? You know, you know yeah. your worst ever, you know, it should be good. And the rest should be excellent. Amazing. Oh my right. God. You know, even kind of your thing. worst should be better than average. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Totally and, agree you know, with that. I've had 50 year career musicians that I've interviewed. I'm telling you, Wally, they have told me on the mic. They have said, Rick, I still am learning to this day. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a it's an art form that is so amazing. You know, the older you get, I mean, I, I have no regrets. I wouldn't I would not take anything back. This is my uh, my 50th year of working as a professional musician. Wow. Well, uh, we so, had a Christmas party with Susie Quattro, who was kind oh, enough. Wow. Oh, yeah. She came on our Christmas party just a couple months ago. Boy, was it an honor to be with her for the entire hour. I absolutely loved it. And, you know, she told me despite her 50-year career, she still is learning. Oh, I can't imagine. I saw her in Las Vegas in the 70s. Yes, yes. Well, she's had a part on a television show here in America. The show was called Happy Days. And oh, she, yes. she played a part called Leather Tuscadero. And that was a girl, a rock and roller that dressed in leather that played the bass. And the thing about Susie Quattro, she knew how to play and does indeed play the bass she just didn't pick it up and hold it while they photographed her and you know a lot of women they take the instrument as a photo op she learned how to play it 
Wow. So it was amazing. How did she get on the TV show? Wally, you're never going to believe it. The executive producer went home one night from work and his teenage daughter had a poster of Susie Quattro on the wall of her bedroom. And the dad looked at it and said, that is the lady I want right there for this new character for the TV show Happy Days. We got to get a hold of her. They got a hold of her. And that's how she appeared on the TV. You see, she every everything counts. That's why, you know, in the music business, <clears throat> and I tell this to students, you got to use the times, obviously, you know, like we're living in, like we were talking about modern times. And now, uh, back then, you know, it was only television or the record companies and you use the, the poster, you use whatever you, you can to advertise and get your, what you do out there. I mean, part one is to try to master your instrument as much as you can, and you will never stop. So is there is a beginning, there's no ending to that, but you know, it's okay. So now you play at home. Oh my God, I'm really good. Now I think I can play with this. I can play tracks. This and that. Okay. How do you let the whole world know what you're doing inside your house? So now a lot of a lot of kids have the Instagram and you see a lot of videos on Instagram and you see social media. So now there's a thing called where this video went viral and they even getting uh, to be guests on TV shows based on that, on being viral on a YouTube video. And then you got to play with people. You got to know people and you got to get to learn how to play with people and word of mouth. When I was growing up, it was just word of mouth. You do the best job you could at anything, whether it's a wedding, uh, a Christmas party or or, uh, a concert in the park. And eventually somebody's going to go, man, can you give me your card? That was back then. Man, I love the way you play or what you do with this band. And then one one little bit at a time. And I started when I was 16 in, in Las Vegas. And I, I don't know if I told you before, but, you know, I play percussion and I play drums. And I basically got myself with every band that you can imagine. Lounge, club, top 40, dance studios that needed percussion to play the groove. I was actually in one of those schools playing percussion. And the choreographer, there was a famous choreographer in Las Vegas, had like a, what do you call it, like a boot camp kind of class with all these great dancers. And uh, and he gave my name to Debbie Reynolds. And he choreographed Debbie Reynolds' show, and he brought me in. And that was my first professional job at 16. I was in high school, leaving high school to go home, do my homework, dress, uh, put my tuxedo on, and go to the Desert Inn Hotel and do two shows, 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock. And I needed a sheriff card and my dad to sign up for me because I was a minor. But, you know, that got me in the Musicians Union. And from there on, I said, okay, I'm in. So, like, I mean, this has got to get better, not worse. So how can I actually... So Debbie Reynolds, after four weeks engagement, it ended. So my thing was, okay, how do I get a lot of Debbie Reynolds to, <laughs> yes, to work for? Yes, to, You know, to a lot of work. And then little by little, you put it on your mind, you put your vision, you, you set a goal, and you go to work on your goal. So I had to play percussion. I had to play drums. I work in Las Vegas through high school, through college, UNLV, until uh, I worked with uh, uh, Debbie Reynolds. And then um, in college, I got the job with Lola Falana, and I couldn't finish college. So I went out on the world with her and Las Vegas, and then Doc Severinsen, and then Paul Anka. And 
Abby Lane and and uh and and then um Ben Vereen and then I that's when I decided okay to move to LA in 1980 while I was working with Ben Vereen and then Marilyn McCoo. You know, I always had a gig. Marilyn McCoo from the Fifth Dimension, right? Yes. And so like Marilyn had a show called Solid Gold in that in those days, so she didn't travel a lot. It was perfect for me to be in LA. I had a job in the music business and that paid for my car and my my rent. I was still going for my goals, which is getting to recording, getting to play with more people. And then little by little, you know, um, Marilyn McCoo, 1985, Tanya Maria, Brazilian jazz artist that we traveled the whole world, all the jazz festivals. And then I met, I continued to meet people and to hang with people and musicians. And then I met somebody, Jorge Calderon, that recommended me with David Lindley, which is a the sly guitar player with Jackson Brown. He had a band, David Lindley. And then from there on, I met Jackson Brown, Joe Walsh, Bunny Raid, and then I started recording with Jackson Brown. And from there, 1989, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, 88, went with Jimmy Barnes, Australian rock artist. And then I joined Santana in 1989. And on and on and on, from Santana to Steve Winwood to Boss Gag to Gloria Estefan. You know, you, you don't stop the process. And you I learn mean, with every band you played with. Oh, my God. I say, you know, like I, we were talking the other day, it was a musician that, that we work with, Joe Sample from the Crusaders. Some of these guys, I, I felt bad taking the money because it was, it's almost like going to the University of the Streets on tour. You know, when you're sitting on an airplane and they're telling you this artist like Steve Winwood or Joe Sample or even with Chicago uh, going to the airport one hour drive with Robert Lamb. I'm asking questions, Robert. So in 1969, how did you, you know, this and that? And I'm asking, I'm learning and I'm getting better and they're paying me and I have the best seat in the house. You feel (laughs) like you should be paying him tuition to attend the university. Absolutely. You know, I, I never finished my, my college degree at UNLV because I was working all the time already. But, you know, I always say I got a degree from the University of the Streets, and I'm talking about the streets of the world. And um, I mean, I've I've risked my life. You know, I don't do it now, but when I was younger, just to actually go somewhere to buy percussion instruments and to collect or to learn something. And people said, "You did what? You know, you went there by yourself? Are you crazy? You know, like, but you know, like it was just like that urge to learn and to gather and to uh, to get because I never know when I'm going to return back to this place." So, you mean you, know, you went places where it was unsafe to be? Oh, well, according to them, I found out afterwards. But, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. but I, I uh, like, like say, like in, you know, like in all parts of the world, you know, people can tell you, oh, don't go there by yourself. You yes. Know, or, yes. You know, but, but, you know, my, my quest for knowledge was so heavy that I went over there and I was already planning to, you know, just go to places and, and yeah, you know, maybe many times I actually made a U-turn and went, uh-uh. but, you know, you live and learn and get wiser. But, you know, the the main thing is never, never to stop getting better at what you're doing. And then there's the other things, like, for example, like I said, during COVID, I was not a studio engineer. 
because I know the best in the world. Right here, uh, Ashley Shepard lives in my street. He's like a master, but he's really, really busy. I cannot bother him all the time that I need something. So like, I basically, I just go, uh, okay, I got to learn this. I got to learn how to mic my drums. I got to get, get learn how to get a great sound out of my drums. I got to learn how to manipulate software and do things in my computer. And people tell me, oh, there's this plugin. Hey, have you heard about this new app? Have you heard about this? You know, to keep up with technology today is a full-time job. And of course, I cannot give all my time to that, but there's got to be a certain amount of knowledge. Today's drummers and musicians is a different situation than 20 years ago. So like I tell every young person out there, whatever whatever you play, if you play saxophone or piano or guitar or drums, you got to learn more than that. You got to learn not only to be versatile on your instrument, no matter what music you love best, you got to be versatile because if the music that you love best is not giving you money, maybe the music that you don't like that much might give you money because there's a demand for it. So as long as you're in the music business, and you're working that's that's great and now you got to learn more you got to learn how to record yourself you got to learn how to write songs and and do product you got to learn how to do your product not spend a lot of money delegating the power to all these people you if you have the money that's really great but a lot of us don't have that extra money you know it's almost like like you know like as an example Okay, I can either go and buy coffee or I can make coffee. I can pay somebody to wash the dishes or I'm going to wash the dishes. I can sweep the floor or pay somebody. I mean, it's okay if you pay once in a while for that to happen. I I love Carabello coffee right here uh, down the street from me. It's fantastic. But I make coffee every day because I can and I learn how to do it. So the same thing in the music business. Today, you got to be just more than an instrumentalist. You got to be an artist. And it happens that I sing and play drums or I sing and play piano or I'm a composer. But you cannot just have a restaurant with one dish, you know, and you go to the best restaurants in Cincinnati. And what do you get? You get high quality versatility. That's what you get. Boy, isn't that the truth? Wally, the average podcast fails. And I mean, it goes kaput if it depends who you ask, what expert you ask. But they fail usually between episode seven to no more than episode 20. Very few make it to 20. And right now, as I speak to you, Wally, I have 70 in the can already done. They're a minimum of an hour each. Some of them go overtime. And I'll tell you what, Wally, I have to have help and an assistant to keep the doggone bookings going. And I'm proud of that because when people tell me you can't do it, what am I going to tell them? I'm going to say, don't worry about that. Take a look over here. Go listen to them all. They're online. You can listen to all 70 if you like. I'm proud to say I'll do it. Well, I tell you, that's an achievement and that, that you should be proud of yourself because Yes. And, and that's the tenacity and, and you, the wanting, you know, like my hashtag that I use all the time, you got to want to. That's right. You got to want to bad enough. And sometimes there's some people that, that want to, but not bad enough. And so congratulations, Rick, because that's, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts and, and, and then different times, like there's a million YouTube videos showing you how to do this and a million showing you how to do that. But when I actually, I'm going to be recommending for, somebody that I 
like, like a music student or my kids, I have to weed out and 75% is baloney. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have to weed out the, the worst and then just keep the best. I always said it on your first podcast. And I told my wife, the minute you hear Rick's voice, you want to tune in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, your beautiful wife, even though both of you now reside in Northern Kentucky, which we like to call greater Cincinnati, because yes. that's, that's what it is. The Southern Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> Tell everybody, Wally, where the Greater Cincinnati International Airport is located. Exactly. It's you know, located my wife, in Kentucky. Yes, Kirsten is definitely born and raised in Cincinnati. I, I met her at Riverbend. Riverbend, yeah. for those that don't know, is a concert venue where Chicago, the band, plays. And in fact, you know, I'm wondering if I was at that concert because the last time I saw the band Chicago was at Riverbend and you played a tour with the Doobie Brothers. Was that that tour? You know, I gotta like, I think... The, the one, you know, you might be right. It might be, it was 2017. That's what I remember. And at the end of the tour, the Doobie Brothers and Chicago, all at the same time, at once, came on stage and played together. Right. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, what a good, good sound. Somebody stopped me the other day and said, hey, Rick, how are you doing? I said, hey, good to see you. He said, who's coming on your show next week? I said, that'll be Wally from Chicago, the drummer, the, the rock band Chicago. He said, oh, he says Chicago's the first concert that I ever attended, and I've loved that band ever since. Wally, you're a part of people's lives playing with these high-quality, doggone classic bands, and we can go on and on. You work with Santana. You work with Steve Winwood. You work with all of these people, and these are what has shaped the average person's musical tastes and their lives. They remember the Beach Boys. They remember Brian Wilson. You're changing lives, Wally, one concert at a time. Well, thank you. That that That's really true. I call it the soundtrack of our lives. So you because... met your wife at Riverbend. How did that happen? You played a concert and then you met her afterwards? Well, you know, I, I tell you, you never know what's happening in your life and some things happen that are not planned. So I had, I was in transition of moving from Los Angeles where, where I was living there and I was moving back to Las Vegas and I was going to buy a house in Las Vegas, which is four and a half hours east of Los Angeles and but it's very different financially and real estate and all that so I said you know what I can go on the road from Las Vegas instead of LAX and when I come home it's just like I have my sister's family I grew up here I'm gonna definitely settle back into, into Las Vegas and as I started to do that, we were on tour and I played Riverbend and I, Kirsten came with her sister-in-law to a meet and greet. And I just couldn't help. Like my eyes were like, like, oh my God, like I just basically, the, the whole world disappeared. Like I right. couldn't help staring at her. And You're and then, like uh, what, what 
Paul Anka. No, Frankie Valley. My eyes adored you. Exactly. <laughs> Your eyes adored her. Oh, my God. Yes. And so, like, I went back to the dressing room to get ready for the show. And as soon as I came, you know, on stage, it was, I look into the audience and I go, where is she? You know, where is she? And halfway through the show, I couldn't find her. And then uh, I I uh, zoned in kind of like to, towards my right looking over there and there she was and she stood up and there were she was dancing and I went like this and then she said hi and I say hi and then we started flirting but then when the concert finished she was a little far away I couldn't give her my sticks or anything so I went like man is this it so I wanted to actually find out you know she took a photo and I was gonna see how can I get in touch with her but it was just I didn't know how and then she actually put on social media something like she tagged us she tagged Chicago the band and tag the, the the guys in the band and thank you all of you for for a great nine and a great concert this and that and when i saw that i go oh my god that's her so i private message her and we started talking through social media and then we exchanged phone numbers and then w she met me in in dc uh, uh and then from there on but from the minute we started communicating with each other it hasn't ended i mean it's just been like you know communication 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 and then we met and then we started traveling I started traveling to Cincinnati to see her. She was living in downtown Cincinnati and it was great. I mean, where she lived, we went, we walked everywhere to all the restaurants and, you know, it's Jeff Ruby over here and Lalo's over there and uh, the Crown Republic over there and Arnold, Arnold's. Oh, yes. Ar Arnold's was owned by Jim Tarbell for many years. Yeah, Jim, so we lived next, next to Arnold. Yeah, he used to be a big concert promoter. He had a place called the Ludlow Garage. He brought oh, yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, he brought in the Allman Brothers when they were brand new. He brought in a lot of people. Uh, he was involved heavily in rock and roll in Cincinnati in his day. That's why he still has music in his in his little Arnold pub. Yes, and right. So I loved that area. And then I went back to Vegas. I bought a house. And, uh, and then, of course, Kirsten visited me over there. You know, I showed her Las Vegas. We went to the mountains. And she loved the house in Las Vegas. And But... She was so rooted in, in her work and everything in Cincinnati that I said, you know, I can leave from any airport and come back from any airport because we're eight months in and out. So then I decided to move to Cincinnati. So we we moved in together and that was like in in uh, next to Arnold's right there, the power building apartments. I loved it because I could walk anywhere, not even turn my car on. I could just, you know, you have all the, the clubs, the music, Finley Market, I mean, everywhere. And so what happen is you know as a musician uh, we will come to the theater here in uh in north in newport kentucky to the movies and to the to the levee and we will walk around this area with houses and i said man it'll be great to have a two-car garage right all in one you know my studio basement so we found a house and we decided to move here and uh and then we got married and uh and the rest is history and we're really happy here i mean like i consider this area like you said southern cincinnati as i explained to people it's split up by the river but it's still southern cincinnati <laughs> yeah isn't that the truth and you were very honest earlier in the program today wally and i don't want to dwell on it because quite frankly i don't think it's anybody else 
else's business. But if you can give me a sentence or two on it, and I'm going to get out of it real fast, you were honest to say, ladies and gentlemen, this is my third marriage. I know what I'm talking about. And you blame that on the fact that perhaps marriages one and two were not handled the way marriage three was. And what is the main difference? Well, a lot of it is, I always say, you can't point the finger because there's three pointing back at you. <laughs> right, so, right, yes. So, you know, before I point the finger at anything, whether it was my ex or it was the, the times we were living or the music business, there's three pointing back at me. So a lot of fault was mine, mm. a lot of fault and immaturity that I didn't have. And so you live and learn. It, it was painful, The the my divorce with the mother of my kids. And then the, the, the second marriage was actually amicable which was she wanted kids. And I said, well, you know, you have the right to have kids, but I have three already. So we actually broke it peacefully and Mm -hmm. and the second one. And then, you know, uh, here I am. uh, I was not planning on getting married or anything. It was basically, I was planning to settle in Las Vegas. And, but what, what I learned was that when Kirsten would visit me in Las Vegas, my house became a home, uh, the house lively up, you know, like that Bob Marley lively up yourself. (laughs) And so, and, uh, so basically we cooked and we, uh, you know, we went out to the yard and, and it was just like, wow. So the, main thing is it doesn't matter if i bought a castle or a three-bedroom house or an apartment or a condo or a townhouse it's the company you keep that creates a home like luther vandros a house is not a home so it's just a house and it was empty and i was living there by myself and it was beautiful and all that but you know the minute i arrived in cincinnati and we were together in her apartment and it was just great. And I, my, my insides will go, you know, I can live here and I could live with her. And then she said the same thing in Las Vegas. It goes, I could live wherever you are. That's where we have a home and a marriage. So it became like the, you know, when I proposed to her to get married, by the way, I did it in a meet and greet again. So I made her go in Chateau Saint Michel, uh, Seattle area. That's where I decided, okay, we're going to do a meet and greet like the first time I ever met her. And then right there, I'm going to propose. So that's what I did in front of the band. Oh, <laughs> and it was no. just, the band but, was know, right there in front of you. Right. Oh, and so my. like the, the, the thing is that it just felt already like we were already connected and we were two in one. So the marriage only just basically sealed things legally, but we were married heart to heart already emotionally. So, um, so we did it and then we got the house, you know, we're really happy. Like right now, she's working from home down there because uh, with the Cincinnati Magazine, Mondays and Fridays, uh, everybody can work and Zoom and do this. But, you know, she's still working and it's going to be a very exciting thing. I tell you, you should interview her one day. Oh, absolutely. I will. Amen, brother. You tell her it's on, okay? If she likes my uh, voice. If she doesn't like my voice, (laughs) I'm going to pass. All right. Oh, no. She'll love your voice. And uh, believe me, she has so many insights in Cincinnati because, uh, you know, her father was a doctor. He was a director of the Jewish hospital in Cincinnati. Yes. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he went to high school and, you know, that whole Cincinnati history. So, yeah, she probably will have a great conversation. You will definitely 
enjoy her input and and then everything that is going on in cincinnati magazine it made me a fan anywhere from cuisine to music to events to history i mean you know you got a magazine like that so powerful it's almost like okay i want to study something open up cincinnati magazine and you'll learn something oh my oh my and now your dad's friend desi arnez senior when he was married to lucy a television icon. Everybody in America, Wally, knows Lucy and who Lucy was. Her show was called I Love Lucy. And you know what? The whole world wanted Desi and Lucy to stay married. And they got a divorce. It broke the country's heart, not just hers and his. It was terrible when they got a divorce. People hated it, Wally. They hated it. Well, Rick, you should see this movie because it's not about the the show uh, recreating the I Love Lucy show. It's it's the back the back end. What happened in their personal life? Uh, Lucy Junior and Desi Junior, their their kids are behind this movie, and so like they want to make sure that both their mom and dad the on the beautiful and the and the ugly part of the personal life that happened to them so like this movie being the ricardos alan sorkin wrote grip and nicole kidman and javier bardem they just got so into character and the movie they had to have dramatic actors because what happens behind the show is drama so, you know, I really recommended it. I mean, I, I really just had a little part, you know, on the music part of it and teaching Javier Congas uh, how to play the conga. But, you know, uh, when I saw the movie, I went like, oh, my God, this is like pretty heavy. So I recommend it. You know, again, that that's just one more. You know, they, they were so nice. They gave me credit at the end twice uh, as a conga teacher. And then Babalu performed by the Michael Andrews Orchestra featuring Wilfredo Reyes. Because I play the percussion on that tune. And so, you know, it's just like one more job, but it's a job that I gain a friendship with Javier, which was one of my my favorite uh, actors. Now, it it didn't have to be like that. I mean, I didn't know. Some actors are very moody and they just want to do what they have to do. And okay, thank you very much. Bye-bye. But Javier is just such a nice guy that the minute I started talking to him, it was just like we were just talking and talking. And sometimes I shouldn't even say this on the air, but, you know, I charge, you know, because they were paying me for the lesson. But I said, what what am I going to charge here? We, we, We did a half hour lesson and we spoke for one hour. (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah so you know so it was that kind of relationship where uh we played and then you know he uh you know he's married to penelope cruz and they have two beautiful children and his son plays drums so i mean it's amazing that right here from where i'm talking to you right now on the phone you know his son was playing drums and plays played drums for wally you know like and he was like and they're on camera and then i introduced my wife to javier and they're they're talking about the sea and you know my wife uh uh is a scuba diver at the newport aquarium and the shark tank no yeah Your she wife? swims in the shark tank yeah oh i didn't know that well, yeah, aren't so she, you worried you about interview. her being bit 
Oh no! I mean, you know, like uh, she'll she'll tell you all about it. That's why it's really great. If oh yeah, well, I better yeah. Let me hear that for the first time. I'm getting nervous thinking about it. But <laughs> I'll tell you what: when I was at the Atlantis Hotel in um, uh, Nassau, the Bahamas, Paradise Island, there's a place called the Atlantis, and they go down there every morning in scuba gear, and they feed these animals, and there are sharks there, and these oh, are. Yeah. Yeah, she's been there. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. place, and they know what they're doing. And those sharks, I think they expect to get the food, and they leave the divers alone for some reason. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife is really can really uh, educate uh, people on that. You know, like, so basically humans are not the, the prey. Like, they they get have terrible eyesight and confuse humans, especially surfers, for a seal or something. So they ah. bite. But like my wife said, there has never been a case where the human human being was devoured completely and you found only the 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 swimming trunks oh it's always like it's always like the shark bite and they go what the hell is this and then of course there's damage but you know we uh in the world i think killed 80 million sharks a year and there's only worldwide like 10 sharks incident in the whole world so So, you only so some clown can wear a necklace around his neck uh, that has shark teeth on it yeah oh well you know actually you can do that because you know the sharks come completely continuously change teeth so they, they fall and a new one comes out so my wife brings shark teeth from the aquarium she finds on the bottom of the tank oh so and, you uh, can do it without killing the animal right yeah the teeth fall all the time so you can actually even find shark teeth in the ocean because they that's their process i mean it's almost like sharpening a knife so you know you sharpen the knife so basically when this one gets a little bit like uh used too much and this and that it falls and the new one comes in so uh but it's really interesting the the whole ocean thing that's why kirsten and javier bardam javier is very much into the antarctica and the survival of not only the marine life but the the ice you know which is melting crazy so he's really into that so they hit it off and they were talking about sharks and this and that so i'm going okay i got a conga lesson to do right oh like uh, yeah so you know yeah i'll 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 mention it to her and i'll hook you up with her and yeah we're gonna bring her on we're gonna bring her on that's a definite ladies and gentlemen i have run over time thank you walfredo reyes jr ladies and gentlemen one of the best guests on any talk show you will ever hear right here on the microphone today. Walfredo, a.k.a. Wally. He is the drummer with the classic rock band Chicago. ChicagoTheBand.com slash tour. Chicago the band.com slash tour wally if a person says i'd like to get a hold of walfredo reyes jr how do i do that what are you gonna tell him to do wally my website is www.walfredoreyesjr.com and you can send me a message through the contact whether it's you know right now a lot of people that have contacted me for uh, lessons unfortunately you know like right now i'm at the end of the month i have already some students and then i go on tour but there's always something for the near future whether it's a lesson online or what do you call it like maybe um 
it doesn't have to be playing drums or maybe the person wants to talk about that's called coaching yeah coaching of whatever because there's many sides to the music business and we can do that so you can send me a an email through my website waldrelareyesjunior.com and then if you want to know anything about the tour like you said chicagotheband.com slash tour or chicagotheband.com to learn everything about chicago the history if you want to like catch up with what's been going on and we look forward to uh playing music for everybody out there at a town or city near you and rick you're the greatest i mean you know i really enjoy the minute you told me hey can we do another one before i even read the your email i answer yes (laughs) (laughs) wally if you believe nothing that i've ever told you i want you to believe me when i say that you're going to come back and we're going to do it again i promise you that i guarantee it we should do that and in another time maybe we'll meet somewhere and then do a video or do uh, something on video too. you said you'd come in here to my own studio and we'd do it right in the studio and put you on an actual mic absolutely we can do that so i look forward to that oh absolutely ladies and gentlemen i want to thank walfredo reyes jr you'll see him on the world tour with chicago chicago the band.com slash tour Look him up. He's a great person. We're going to have to bring Kirsten, his beautiful wife, on, and we're going to find all about Cincinnati Magazine, what's going on over there. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to say other than thank you, Wally, for a mature and a very decent attitude, unlike some of these prima donnas you get where you're so happy it's over, you can move on. What a mean you do we go over time for god's sake i <laughs> it happens every time a wally well thank you rick for having me it's been a pleasure like it's always a pleasure and i can't wait to do it live in your studio I want to talk to our studio audience here in the studio today, Wally, if you don't mind. Ladies and gentlemen, did you enjoy Walfredo Reyes Jr. on our show today? Oh, Wally, listen to that. You Uh, rock. I'll tell you what. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, our hat is off to the drummer of the classic rock band Chicago, Walfredo Reyes Jr. This is Rick Flynn. It's been fun, but I've got to run. On behalf of myself and one of the greatest percussionists and drummers you're going to meet in a month of Sundays, I'll guarantee you, Walfredo Reyes Jr. Thank you, Wally. Thank you at home. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Goodbye, everybody. You rock. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.